you this morning. And uh, if you are, again, if you are a guest, we're glad that you're with us. Hope you have an opportunity to drop a guest card into the offering plate later today. If you're with us online, we're glad that you're with us today. And this is a kind of a special Sunday. Every year around this time, we take a, a season and just honor the graduates, uh, those that are graduated from high school. And today we're going to add a little extra with some of our graduates that are going from the Kingdom Seekers up into uh, the student ministry. And so that'll be exciting, and we'll do that at the end. But before we do that, I want to just uh, you know pave the way for Luke Fleshman. And before Luke comes, I just want to let you all know how thankful I am personally uh, to Luke, who took on the responsibilities of, of uh, the high school and junior high ministries um, uh, several years ago. Uh, when we sent out our church plant to uh, Clinton, uh, some of the folks followed that went with that, and it kind of left some some holes in the ministry. And, man, Luke and Brenda stepped in, and they have served so faithfully uh, in investing their lives in uh, our students. And so, uh, man, we all owe these folks a debt of gratitude, but uh, I personally owe him a debt of gratitude because he stewarded my son in, uh, in the ministry. And so I'm going to step aside this morning and invite Luke Fleshman, our, uh, our, our youth minister, to come up and, and uh, conduct the service this morning. So give him some love. Thank you, Luke. Good morning. It's a better response than I get on Sundays in the youth. Uh, so like Brian said, I'm Luke Fleshman. I'm, I lead the youth ministry here that's uh, both junior high and senior high, and uh, each year we do try to do some kind of a, a recognition for, not just for the seniors who've graduated, but we also obviously want to recognize the parents, and uh, we also want to make sure that we get them in front of you guys so you guys can see who they are uh, as well. So uh, so this year we've got three seniors graduating, uh, so I'll call you guys and then you guys can, do I sound like kind of tinny? Okay, thank you. Couldn't tell if it was me or not. Uh, so I'll call the seniors up, and then as they make their way up, uh, I'll kind of just give a little bit of information about uh, who they are, who their parents are, what their plans are, and then uh, so it also when I call the, parent, the kids up, can the parents also stand so my wife can find you because she has uh, flowers for the mamas. So uh, first I've got uh, Lily Adele Bruner. So her parents are Jason and Jessica Bruner, and she graduated from Archie High School and uh, at this time, she does not plan to go to college, uh, so her plans after high school graduation uh, is to increase her hours that she works at a uh, veterinary office, and then she's also looking into uh, getting into some early childhood courses um, in the future. And then uh, we also always ask, you know, if they feel like God is calling them to anything specific at this time in their lives, and uh, at this time, she said not yet, uh, but I think she's willing to do whatever uh, God would have her to do. So, um, so we've got Lily. And then we've got Tyler William Crawford. Tyler, where are you at? Oh, there he is. Uh, so his parents are David Brian Crawford and Wendy K. Davis. And uh, he graduated from Harrisonville High School. And he's planning to either go to UCM or a trade school. He is undecided. And his plans after, after graduation, uh, if he does go to school, he's going to try to major in criminal justice or a uh, race car driver. <laughs> That's what my paperwork said, so I don't know about that, but maybe race car driver, I guess. Uh, and then he is also praying for God's direction on his life. Uh, he doesn't know exactly where that might lead him, as most of us uh, are in that same boat at graduation, but, uh, but he's open as well to what God would direct him to do. And then our third uh, senior, Brian already mentioned, that would be Samuel James Hedges. 
So his parents are Brian and Amy, of course. Everyone knows Brian and Amy. Uh, the high school that he graduated from was also here in Harrisonville. He plans to attend MCC this fall and uh, use that A-plus money. And uh, so after graduation, he's going to attend MCC for two years, and then he's looking to transfer to a four-year school to pursue a major in marketing. And uh, as far as God calling them anything specific, uh, as you guys know, he already is working in the praise ministry here, so he's going to continue doing that and uh, helping out with the youth soccer league. And then his long-term plans is whatever God uh, wants in order to use the gifts that God has given him. So, uh, Sam, did you want to say something? I did. Uh, is this mic good? Right there. I have a little bit of a different relationship with Sam. We're going through discipleship and have been for a while, so I kind of, I didn't make him, but I kind of made him <laughs> say something, so. Uh, I talked him down to, from 10 minutes to 5 minutes, so I just took it. Sounds good. Uh, I don't get grades or anything, so it's okay. Uh, so first, I wanted to thank everybody for coming to my grad party last weekend. Uh, there was a lot of people from church, and it was, really, it was a good blessing for me and my family, and the church has always been like a real big blessing for me and my family, and I've always grown with the church. Uh, what's the church, like 20 years old? I'm 17. I'm 18 now, I guess. So yeah, it's my, it's my older sibling, basically. My dad raised it a little bit earlier than me, but <laughs> it cost a little bit more, too. But, uh, so I had a passage. My, I had two passages. My first one's going to be in Romans 12. Uh, it's just kind of a passage about what I've learned in the church, what you guys have taught me. I really appreciate everybody who's invested in me in the E-Wing and, and Luke and the youth and Tyler and the youth before that, uh, James and the praise ministry, just everybody who's taught me everything. Uh, so in Romans twelve nine it says, Love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, Distributing the necess- to the necessity of saints given to the hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. I learned the way I should walk and the love of a family from a young age in this church. And I'm so thankful for everybody here. So that's the first part. And then what I've also learned is to trust God. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about my high school experience. I don't know if a lot of people know about what I was into. I was into soccer. Uh, I did band for two years. I quit sophomore year. Uh, but I still play guitar up here on Sunday. So um, so how I started soccer off, I made varsity freshman year. I'm going to flex that real quick because my high school <laughs> career is over, so I can't get made fun of for it anymore. But uh, So how that happened was I was doing camps and stuff in the summer, you know, workouts every day. They were killing us, uh, making us run all day. But I had a choice. I had to choose whether I was going to go to Jamaica on a missions trip for a week and a half or whether I was going to uh, be there for, like, the last week of camps before the first day of practice where we all got graded and put on teams and stuff. So I was like – and I don't, soccer was my life, my passion. I spent all my time doing this, especially freshman year. I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't have a girlfriend or anything. But uh, <laughs> So uh, I had a choice. My dad, he didn't try to influence me at all. He just told me to do what I felt was right because he knew soccer was important to me. And Jamaica's – a long ways away, and we were going with a bunch of college students I didn't know, didn't have a lot of experience, but uh, by faith, I prayed about it, and I went to Jamaica, and that was just one of the best experiences of my life. I talked to hundreds of people. They were so open, so much more open than Americans are, honestly, to to everything I had to offer, that God has to offer. We gave out like a thousand Bibles. It was awesome, and then I came back from Jamaica, and I wasn't sure how soccer was going to go, and then I ended up making varsity. Uh, Just, I trusted God, 
and uh, I ran a lot, I ran a lot, <laughs> and uh, he uh, just blessed me. So the first part of that is trusting God. If you trust God with what you care about and your time, then he'll, he'll work through you. And then the second part, I had more verses. Um, so this is in Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can put to it, nor anything can take away from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. Okay, so in the end of that, it says God requireth that which is past. And so, I mean, you hear that and you think God needs your past, right? So the word past, I did it like a word study. That's what I was taught to do here. You do your devotion last second, and you always research little words. That's what they teach in HBI. But um, uh, so the last word there means to pursue it, or chase. So it's, it's a lot more than just pursue or chase. It's what you're like violently pursuing, vigorously pursuing. It's everything. It's your drive. It's your passion. And that's what God requires. If you give God your drive and your passion, then the end of that is... Uh, God can, uh, it shall be forever be, nothing can put, put to it, nothing can be taken away from it, God doeth it, and men should fear before him. God controls everything. He, you have the choice to give him your drive and your passion, you don't have to, but if you do that, he can work through you. And so my last thing was, uh, so I broke my foot about a year ago. I don't know if anybody heard about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kicked, a, I kicked a cone. It was like a, it was a, a pole, and it was concrete in the ground, and then there was a there was just a cone over it. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to kick this. And I just shattered my foot. And so, yeah, like, like I said, I'm a soccer player. It was, like, before my senior season and everything. It was just, like, perfectly, like, storybook. Oh, you screwed everything up. <laughs> and I was just playing with a boomerang. And I just decided I was going to – okay, anyways. But uh, everybody's heard that story. But um, so I was down on myself. I was down kind of on the world. I didn't get to play soccer all summer, which was, like, your senior year before uh, – uh, your senior summer before soccer, that's like the year everybody gets better. You put in all your work that year, and like you kind of see a really big growth, and I just didn't get that, which I was really upset about, and I wanted to be a captain, and I was worried I wouldn't be that. Uh, but uh, I just gave God my time. I kept coaching. I helped the guys out when I could. I rolled out on my scooter. I'm sure everybody saw the scooter. I was rolling around here all the time. But uh, uh, I rolled out on my scooter, and I just gave everything I had, and I put time in and praise because that's all I could do because I couldn't run, so I played guitar. And uh, uh, he took us to state this year. We got fourth place. He gave me, he let me be a captain. He just gave me an amazing experience that I just can't thank him enough for. Uh, so if I have one thing to say, it's just trust God with everything you have because he'll just bless you. And the church has blessed me in an amazing way. So just thank you to everybody again. All right, so if parents or anybody else needs to get one last photo of them before they are, I'm sure, ready to sit down. Tyler's rolling his whole head. <laughs> All right, we got one more photo coming, then you guys can go sit down. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Sam. As, as uh, he said, you guys can, you're, okay, Brian's good. We're good. Thanks, guys. So I think the last two years, I don't remember, did we do this in 2020, Brian, do you remember? I don't think we didn't. We weren't even meeting in 2020 in May, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we did this in 2020, but uh, so I think the last time that we had a senior who was willing to speak uh, was in 2019, Ben Yoder uh, spoke, and I remember, I, of course, I don't, I don't tell them what to say, I don't even know what they're going to say, so he gets up here, and, and I'm standing back there just like I was, and 
he, he's like, turn to, uh, I don't remember what passage it was. Ben, where are you at? There you are. Was it like, it was like an exit. It was the story of the 12, the 12 spies. I remember what it was. But anyway, so he goes to this passage, and it is like the whole passage I'm preaching on is the passage that he goes to. And so he reads this passage, and I'm like, dude, that is what I'm talking about. Don't talk about that. And he laid it out, you know, similarly to how I laid it out. And so it, it worked out great. But uh, then as Sam's up here, and he's talking about, you know, making sure he trusts in the Lord and how God's blessed him, uh, you know, through his, him putting his faith in God. The verse, like, that I had to kind of close my intro um, was, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And uh, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And so uh, it just, you know, it's cool that whenever God just lines things up that, you know, we don't even try to plan out. But, uh, but that really is the, the charge for um, all of us. But specifically today, since we're talking about the seniors, the, the charge is to just, there's so many decisions in life that come up over the, you know, few years following your graduation. And I think about my own time after graduating high school, and many of you guys probably have uh, similar stories of just how, you know, your life was dramatically different um, you know, three years out. So three years after I graduated, or within three years of graduation from high school, I had been uh, on a one-year or nine-month missions trip uh, in another country. Uh, I came back from that. My wife and I got married. Uh, we moved across the country. I changed. I didn't have a career at the time. I was 18 years old, but uh, I changed jobs, you know, to a totally different industry. And so I just think about, you know, the short amount of time that takes place after a senior graduates from high school and and how much God will do and, and how much life will change in that period of time. And so some of these guys, you know, could be married in the next couple of years. They could be, you know, moving to a different place. A lot of them are going to go to, or some of them are going to go to college. And uh, so it's just, you know, it's an important time to be thinking of and mindful of that verse of trusting in, in the Lord, because um, if we do lean onto our own understanding, you know, that's going to lead us to, to problems. And we're going to get into some of that in, our, in my message this morning. But uh, it is just very important that we that we walk with the Lord and, and just trust him because, uh, you know, like any good father, God knows what's best for us. And uh, even when maybe it doesn't always feel like it, uh, you know, if we are, are willing to trust God with, with uh, everything, with our lives, with our decisions, then uh, he's going to bless that. So, um, yeah, sorry. Uh, if you guys want to have your Bibles, open up to uh, Genesis chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at a familiar uh, story most of you guys are aware of. And... Uh, I'll read uh, Genesis 4, uh, the first few verses, verses 1 through 5. This is the story of Cain and Abel. <clears throat> so in, in Genesis 4, verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And, again, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had, re- had respect unto, Cain, unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Uh, let's pray. Dear Lord God, just uh, come to you in prayer this morning, God, to thank you for uh, these graduates and just, God, thank you for the the sacrifice that it takes to just get through four years of high school. God, I know that uh, senior year is always the hardest because you're looking forward to uh, being done. And so, God, I just thank you for these, these guys uh, grinding out this last year and, and finishing uh, their race strong. And, God, I pray for them as they go forth into the world and, and uh, God, as they look to see what it would be 
um, next in their life, God, I pray that they would be seeking your direction and seeking uh, your wisdom on that, God, and just be able and willing to trust you with their life and with the decisions that, uh, that they have coming up. God, I pray that uh, even for us who are not graduating high school, God, I pray that um, we would be trusting in you, God. We would be trusting in, um, in the fact that you know what's best for us, God, and that we would allow you to lead us and guide us in our lives as we make decisions on uh, jobs and where to live. And, and uh, God, just all the things that uh, come up in life, I just pray that we would be seeking your face, seeking your direction on those things. And God, as we uh, get into this story this morning about uh, Cain and Abel, I just, just pray, God, that you would um, just open up our eyes, God, to some, some uh, truths from your word. I pray that you would just uh, use me this morning uh, to share what it is that you have for all of us. And I just ask your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I don't have PowerPoints or uh, anything fancy. So, But if you guys take notes, I have three, three points about this passage. And uh, the first point is uh, we're going to talk about who they are. Uh, I'm talking about Cain and Abel here, who they are. Uh, number two is what they did. And then number three is how they responded. And so if you're taking notes, those will be kind of the three points. So uh, first, just who they are. Uh, a lot of times in, in the world, you know, the world will find its identity in uh, people will find their identity in a variety of different things, right? That could be uh, their work. That could be their, uh, you know, their spouse. That could be their, you know, sports team. It could be whatever, um, and all of us have elements of our identity that are made up of, of things that we enjoy and, and things that are, uh, that, you know, are big parts of our life. But as a Christian, our, our number one, you know, the main aspect of our identity that we need to, uh, to have is that we, are, that we are Christians, right? That should be the first, if you're saved, the, the first, um, you know, thing on your list of who you are is you're a Christian first, right? And then you're a husband or a wife, and then you're a, you know, a a father or a mother, and you know you go down the line, but uh, but our identity, uh, if you're a Christian, your identity needs to be found first uh, in Christ, and then everything else needs to fall in line behind that. And so, uh, when I was reading through this this uh, story of Cain and Abel, other than you know we find out obviously that they're Adam and Eve's uh, children, so we know that that about them, um, and we know that that Cain was born first. But really, the first thing that that the Bible records about them is is their job, is what they did, right? It says in verse two that Abel was a keeper of the sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And so uh, it's really easy for us to allow our, our jobs to define us. Um, I'm you know, speaking as a man of, you know, that it's easy for, for men especially, I think, to, to allow our jobs to be, you know, the main place that we find our identity. And of course, we spend a lot of time there. And, uh, and, but if you ever, you know, if you're a guy or if you've a lady who's been around a group of guys, you know, when we meet somebody, one of the first things we'll ask them is, what do you do? You know, where do you work? Um, you know, what, what kind of job do you have? What, what do you do for a living? Uh, those kinds of questions are a lot of times the, one of the first things that we, uh, that come out of our mouth when we're, when we're meeting somebody new because uh, it is a big portion of our identity. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, God, you know, lays out that's the first thing we find out really about uh, Cain and Abel. But uh, especially for our, our graduates as they, you know, are trying to figure out what are they going to do with their lives? Do they want to be a race car driver, Tyler? Or do we want to be, you know, uh, whatever, a marketing major, uh, different different jobs, you know, we, there's a lot of decision that goes into that, and, and of course, we want to seek God's face in that, and we want to make sure that uh, whatever, you know, the job is, whatever the, the thing that we're going to choose to do with our life is something that, you know, is using the talents and using the abilities that God's given us, and then applying those things and, and using those things to, to do a job well, and then we're going to use that job for God's glory. We're going to, you know, wherever God puts us, we're going to try to, you know, evangelize the people that were there, build relationships, 
um, and, and share the gospel with people, see people saved through, through those jobs that we have. And so that is, a, that is like a, a large portion of our life. But as Christians, we need to be careful to not let that, um, let that ident- identify or let that be our main point of identity. And, uh, and so even like within the church culture, uh, definitely within the world's culture, graduates, like one of the first things that they'll, a- they'll get asked, and those who have had their graduation parties already will maybe attest to this, that, you know, people are constantly wanting to know, hey, what are you going to do after school? What's next? You know, what's next in your life? You're going to go to college? You know, what, what kind of job are you going to get? And, and those are, you know, important decisions because, again, they are kind of the next step in that, that teen's life, and it is something that they need to be, you know, thinking of and mindful of. But, uh, but a- as a Christian, you know, or as, as their youth leader and, and as the parents, you know, we want, I want for my kids that, you know, that what, what is God calling you to do with your life? You know, what, not necessarily where you're going to go to school next. Of course, those are, like I said, important decisions, but what is God going to do in your life next? How, where do you feel that God's leading? That's why when we ask these, the questions of the seniors, you know, I, I'm interested to know where God has them directed. And if they don't know, that's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't always know what God's going to do next in my life either, but it's something that we always should be thinking of. You know, where, where does God want me to go next? What, what does God want for my life next? And, and uh, you know, going back to that verse in Proverbs, just trusting in the Lord and, uh, and, and where is he calling us? And so, uh, you know, as more experienced people in life, uh, older people in life, we know that, uh, you know, the world is just looking to chew up and spit out um, all of us, really, but especially, you know, our, our teens and our, especially the ones that are just leaving mom and dad's house there, they're just leaving the protection of that, that family unit, and they're, they're moving on to something else. And, you know, whether it's a, a college professor that's looking to, you know, tell them how, you know, God's not even real. Uh, you know, I have that experience. You know, many of you guys that have gone to college maybe have that experience as well, where you have a, a professor that's trying to, you know, change the way you're looking at things. Or you get a, a job that doesn't care if you need Sundays off because you need to go to church because, you know, they need you there on Sundays. And, you know, all, it's just all different things that are, that are constantly grabbing at and pulling uh, the attention and the focus of young people specifically away from, you know, where God would have them to go. And so if their primary focus is, I'm a Christian first, then I'm a, you know, fill in the blank, whatever job they want to get or whatever college they want to attend. If, if that's the order of priority, well, then if something conflicts with the first thing, well, that's the, that's the number one thing. So if something else conflicts with that, well, then I got to default back to the first thing. I got to default back to the fact that no, I'm a Christian. I, I need to, you know, I need to find a church. I need to be uh, following the Lord's calling on my life, not necessarily what I want to do. And so, um, so some some of them have already made decisions or think they know what they want to do. And and so, as they you know walk through those steps and they you know they see they feel out and they they try to determine what the next thing is. Um, you know, it's important that that we are in prayer for them. That's one of the reasons we have them come up here is so uh, that you guys know who they are, so that you can be praying for them. Um, you know, I, I need to be praying for them. All of us, I know the parents are praying for their own kids, uh, but we need to, as a church body, need to be praying for them as they uh, make some of these decisions. So, uh, so seniors, just, I want to challenge you guys to, you know, not look for the easy way out or the, the easiest job or the most fun job or, you know, the job that pays the most money. There's nothing wrong with, if you can find a job that, you know, pays a lot of money and you really, really enjoy, uh, you know, those are all great things and, and there's no problem with that. But if, if those are the, you know, the first couple things on the list of, of why you're choosing a job or a career, uh, we need to take a step back and, and think, you know, how God could use uh, that in our lives. And so as we look back at Cain and Abel and, and their, you know, the jobs that they are listed as having here as a shepherd and a, a farmer, essentially, um, you know, the, at the time when Cain and Abel are alive, there's 
not a lot of job opportunities, right? I mean, there's like four people on the planet, so there's not like, you know, going to go start a small business or, you know, they're not looking to do all these different kinds of jobs. There wasn't really a lot of choices, but uh, we do still see, even with the limited maybe number of job choices that there were, that one of them chose a, a good job and one of them chose a better job. And so, you know, that there, there's elements of, of that, um, there's levels of, you know, well, you can do what's good, what's good for you, uh, or you can do what God wants for you to do. And, you know, there's, there's kind of different levels there. So uh, I read a statistic um, recently talking about just how quickly, like, the job industry is changing and how, you know, the world, obviously, we all know that technology is, is changing things drastically, but um, students who are in elementary school today, uh, 65% of them, when they graduate high school, will have a job in a, in a field or in a, a job type that does not exist right now. So, I mean, we're talking like, you know, I have, a, I have a son who just finished second grade. By the time he graduates high school, 65% of his class will be working in jobs that don't exist now, which is just, it's a mind-blowing statistic that it just shows how quickly things are changing and how, um, you know, how the world is, is just so much different year over year over year. And so it's more and more important that, uh, that the foundation be established that first, I'm a Christian, and then second, I am whatever else. And so, uh, you know, as those things change, God, you know, God doesn't change. The foundation that we need to have in our life doesn't change. And so in, in this room, we've got, you know, I don't know, 50 or 75 different jobs maybe that we could, uh, you know, fields that are represented. Uh, but all of us, if you're, if you're saved, your first, your foundation, it should be, is uh, Jesus Christ. And, and so that should shape the things that, uh, that we look to do with our life. And so, um, so throughout the Bible, you know, we see God uses... Uh, shepherds, right? I mean, a shepherd is one of the, the jobs or one of the, I don't know, you want to call it a career, that, that God uses the most. And so you can look at guys like, uh, of course, like uh, Abel here, but then Abraham was a, was a shepherd and Moses. David, of course, was a shepherd. I hadn't thought about, thought about it until this week when I was preparing this, but, um, you know, when Jesus Christ was born as a baby, the first people on earth to know about that other than his parents was, and his uh John the Baptist's parents, uh, other than them, was, was the shepherds, right? The angel came to the shepherds in the field and, and told them that Jesus Christ was born. And so even in that, you know, we see that, that uh, the shepherds are, are an important um, job or an important thing that God uses, or group of people that God uses. Uh, Jesus Christ himself is called the good shepherd. And, uh, and then even all the way up until present day, uh, you know, in, in America, we don't have a lot of shepherds. Maybe there's some, uh, but we don't have a lot of shepherds, but pastors Right, pastors in the Bible are, are likened to a shepherd because uh, they take care of the flock, right, of the of the body of Christ. And so, you know, all throughout the Bible and, and even all the way up until now, um, God is using the the idea of a shepherd uh, and the the job of a shepherd. And so, as seniors, as you guys decide or as you you know figure out what you want to do with your life, and and those of us who are older, you know, as we figure out what we want to do with our lives, some of us change jobs and careers, especially right now. With I mean the great resignation, and people are changing jobs all over the place. So uh, even for all of us, just, you know, look for something that God can use, um, you know, a, a field that God can use you in. And I just, I think this week or last week, I was listening to the, the Postscript podcast. Uh, some of you guys may listen to that. And uh, James, Pastor James Fife from Midtown was on there, and he was talking about his own, uh, you know, job or his own career path that he chose. And uh, he's a nurse, and he, he specifically chose that field as a nurse because he just knew that God could use, I mean, Nurses are in demand everywhere, all the time, not just in America, but all around the world. People, you know, they, we need nurses. 
And so uh, he chose that field specifically because he thought that would be the, you know, one of the best ways that he could get into a country, that God could use him in that country as a missionary. And so, you know, even, even things like that, just be mindful of, you know, the things that you're choosing to do. And uh, I've talked with Sam a little bit about his marketing uh, that he's interested in, in doing and, and, you know, how you can, I mean, churches need marketing, right? I mean, we need to, we're, our job is to promote the gospel. That is essentially marketing. And so, you know, we, we need to be, how, how do we get more people to hear the gospel? Well, that, you know, how do you, how does a business get more people to uh, hear whatever their message is, right? I mean, we need to figure out, I mean, obviously we need to be on, on social media and we need to be, you know, going to people, you know, face-to-face or however the message needs to get out. Um, that, that's an element of, of uh, his life that he could use for the Lord, right? And, and so that's just a one, you know, one example, but um, it's just really important that we think about the job that we have and, and how God can use that and not just, you know, how can I get a paycheck? And of course, God, you know, hopefully God's going to use you uh, as you collect that paycheck to be giving to the church and giving to missions and giving to the ministry things financially. Uh, but, you know, just think about how God can use, even you guys who already have jobs, how can God use that particular job? How is the skills that God has designed you for? We have, uh, you know, my dad runs the facilities uh, here at the church and constantly there's a ton of guys in this room that come out and, you know, they've got, you know, skid steers and they've got abilities to, you know, do things that, you know, that some of us like white collar guy, me that, you know, isn't really that good at. And so just some of those things, you know, God can use any of us with, with whatever skills we have. And so, uh, but it it is important, especially if you're going to, you know, thinking about what, what should I do and how should I get trained and what should I invest my time in learning now? Think about how that can be used later on for the Lord. And, and so I hope that uh, guide your decisions. So, so we looked at who they are. They, you know, Abel was a farmer, or not Abel's farmer. Abel, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And, uh, and so that's kind of the first things we find out about them. And then what they did, uh, this is kind of the main uh, part of this story that you guys would probably know, is uh, so they brought offerings to the Lord. And uh, it says in verse uh, 3, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And so... They bring these offerings to the Lord, and, and um, you know, you guys are probably familiar with that part of the story. Before we dive all the way into that, if you just back up a few verses back into chapter 3, uh, this, so this is right after the fall, uh, you know, right after Adam and Eve sinned, um, and then God comes to him, and he, and he walks through the, you know, the consequences of that sin uh, for each of the, the people. And then in verse 21, it says, unto Adam, chapter 3, verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. And so the Bible doesn't, you know, exactly specify that those are uh, the skin of a lamb, but I think if you compare Scripture with Scripture, I think you can make a pretty good case that that uh, is likely what those were. And so I just think that's important because, you know, this was, this was Adam and Eve's children that we're talking about. Cain and Abel were their, their children. And so it only makes sense that they would have, that Cain and Abel would have been familiar with this story, right? They would have been familiar with mom and dad's sin and, and how God made these, these coats, right, and, and clothed them with that. And how the, the requirement that God had for the covering of that sin was the bloodshed of a lamb. And so I don't think that that would have been something that they would not have, have known about, right? I mean, it's an assumption, but I think, you know, based on the fact that it was their parents, I think it makes sense. And, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, that was not the only time that Adam and Eve would have sinned in their life, right? And so I think even as Cain and Abel were growing up, it makes sense that, uh, again, this is my opinion, that they, that they would have you know, been involved maybe in offering and making offerings. They maybe would have seen mom and dad do the same thing, repeat the same thing, 
that God had done for them back in chapter 3. So I think this is something that they were familiar with the story. They probably saw it happening uh, in their own life. Maybe they even participated in it. So I think, you know, if, we, if you just read the verses and you think, well, how did, Adam, how did Cain and Abel even know what kind of sacrifices they were, what kind of offerings they were supposed to bring to the Lord? I think if you get the context of the whole story that this is their parents, right? I mean, it, we do things with our parents when we're kids because they take us, you know, that you get just dragged along wherever they go. So as mom and dad are doing these things, I think it makes sense that, that Cain and Abel would have, been, uh, would have been part of this. And so, uh, you know, the, they would have known the expectation is my point. They would have gotten to the point where, okay, I've seen, we've seen mom and dad do this. We've heard about how God did this and how God really set the example from day one uh, from mom and dad's sin. And now we've seen them do it. And now it's our turn, right? And, then, and so what, what are we going to do? They, they had seen the example. And so, um, so for us, you know, Jesus Christ set the example for us. So God, you know, God's setting the picture back in chapter 3, but ultimately the, the, the fulfillment of that picture was Jesus Christ and, and the sacrifice that he was. And that's why one of the reasons, we, you know, he's called the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world because, uh, because of that sacrifice. And so uh, he died on the cross for us and, and set the example for us to see so that we can follow because then he also tells his disciples, you know, take up your cross and follow me, right? In the way that Jesus Christ showed the sacrifice, he showed the example uh, for everyone after him to follow, uh, Adam and Eve had done that same thing with their, uh, with their children. So if you're taking notes, uh, write this down. Once the example is shown, the expectation is set. And so uh, it just, once we know what the example is, once we have seen uh, something played out, you know, once us, once we have seen, okay, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. So uh, everything else that, that the Bible tells us, you know, we need to die daily. Okay, well, that makes more sense in the context of Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was the example. And so the expectation is that we will also, if we're going to be following Christ, if we want to be Christ-like, we will follow in that example that was set. And so uh, the expectation is there for us then. And so as these, these two brothers brought their offerings, uh, you know, they were, they were aware of what they were supposed to do, but only, only one of them brought an offering that was worthy, that God uh, deemed worthy based on the example that had been set for them. And so uh, I, there's a lot of different things you can talk about really with what they've, with what they've offered, but, but Cain offered, uh, you know, just the fruit, the fruit of the ground, you know, the fruit of his harvest. Um, and so it makes sense that, you know, that's what he had, that's what he brought. Um, but the issue with, with that, other than what we just talked about, that it, it, it didn't follow the example that was set. The other thing is it didn't really cost Cain anything, right? I mean, likely he would have had a harvest. I mean, it wasn't like he was bringing all of his, his food, right? He was bringing uh, some of the fruit of his harvest, but it didn't really cost him anything. Whereas as Abel, his job was a keeper of the flock, right? I mean, a, a keeper of the flock the whole point of a shepherd is to protect the flock, right? To, to make sure that, that the, other, animal, the other, other animals don't come in and get them. So like with David, we hear you know, how he killed a bear and he killed a lion and, uh, to protect his sheep. And, and so, you know, sheep are uh, notoriously not super smart animals. They wander, uh, they get stuck in places, they, they do things that make it difficult to, to watch out for them. And so, you know, his whole job was to keep the sheep, keep them, protect them, make sure nothing happens to them, that was, that was, you know, his, his responsibility. But now when it comes time to make an offering, his, his, he has to kill one of his own. The very thing that he's been, you know, uh, assigned to protect or the very thing that he's chosen to protect, now he has to, to take one of the life of one of his sheep, uh, of his own sheep. 
And it actually says that, that uh, in verse 4, that he brought uh, the firstlings of his flock. And, uh, and so I think it's really important that we recognize that, uh, that the sacrifice or the, that offering and the sacrifices, they have to cost us something. And if you flip over to, to 2 Samuel chapter 24, I was actually kind of surprised when I looked up the word cost. I was trying to find this particular verse, and I, I knew it had the word cost in it, so I just you know, pulled out my phone and looked up the word cost. Uh, I was very surprised to find out how many times it showed up in the Bible. I would have guessed, you know, a lot of times. Um, I asked my wife yesterday, I was like, how many times do you think cost is in the Bible? And she said, I don't know, like 150. And I'm like, I would have thought too, but it was only in there four times, the word cost. And so we talk a lot about the cost and, and what it costs to follow Christ and, and the sacrifice that it is and all of those things. We, we talk about that a lot. So it's kind of maybe something that we, uh, you know, use a lot and it is biblical, but the word cost is actually only in the Bible four times. So uh, one of those four times is 2 Samuel verse, or chapter 24. It's the last uh, two verses of this chapter. Verse 24 says, And the king, so the story, I guess, before I get into the, the passage, uh, David is, is, has been told in verse 18, Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So he, he's been told, hey, go, go make a sacrifice in this place. And so David goes to this guy, and he's like, yeah, you can, you can just have it. Just give me what you think, whatever you want. Uh, you can just have it. Do, you know, you're sacrificing to the Lord here. And so uh, verse 24, and the king said, this, the king here is David, said unto Aruna, nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver and uh, verse 25, and David built there an altar unto the Lord and burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. And so because of David's willingness or his unwillingness to offer God something that didn't cost him anything, uh, you know, God ultimately blesses that uh, there at the end of that, of that chapter. And, and so it says the plague was stayed from Israel. So, you know, David recognized, I, if I'm going to make a sacrifice, that means that I'm giving something up. It has to cost me something. And so, you know, we can't just say, you know, we're making a sacrifice for the Lord by, you know, doing X, Y, or Z thing. If it doesn't cost us anything, um, you know, then, then it's not really a sacrifice. And so that was one of the things I think that, uh, that maybe Abel didn't, or that Cain didn't fully grasp is that, yeah, I mean, he was giving some fruit. It wasn't probably his only fruit, but Abel had to go out and, and kill the, you know, the lamb of his own flock and that was, a, that was a sacrifice for him. That was a legitimate, it did cost him something. And so uh, I think that's important for us to remember uh, as we, you know, are, are living our lives. When we're making it, when we call our, something making a sacrifice, what, what are you sacrificing for that? You know, are you giving up some time? Are you giving up, uh, you know, some finances? Are you giving up, uh, you know, what, what is the thing that you're giving up in order to say that I'm sacrificing something for the Lord? And so uh, just remember that it has to cost us something. So uh, so that's point number two is that they, that they brought these offerings. And then number three, the last point here is just uh, how they responded. So what, what was the result of the offerings that they brought? And so you guys have probably already know uh, the story. We're not actually going to get all the way to the end of it. But uh, after, you know, after God sees what they brought, it says in verse uh, four at the end of it, it says, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And so, as a Christian, as we look at this story, like, the, the sacrifice or the offerings that we bring to the Lord with, with our own lives, 
uh, again, they need to cost us something, but as a Christian, we should be uh, you know, actively living our lives, li- waiting for uh, having that aspiration in our life be to hear from Jesus Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? That, that's kind of like the, that's the end goal. That should be the thing that we uh, focus our, our mind on, focus our lives on is, is what am I giving up? What am I, what, if you're just sacrificing for the point of sacrificing, you know, that, that's not really right either. Uh, we need to be sacrificing with the end goal that we want to please our Heavenly Father with what we're doing. And so, you know, as, as they gave these offerings, they had to recognize, I'm offering this to the Lord. I want, their, their goal was, I, wanted, I want God to be pleased with what I'm giving. And so, obviously, with, with Abel's offering, he was pleased. And with Cain's offering, he wasn't pleased. Um, and so, you know, the more we think about that, the more we think about our own lives. And, and is God pleased with the things that we're, that we're offering, right? I mean, we don't want to just sacrifice for the point of sacrificing. We, we, want to, we want to be seeking God's glory with the things that we're giving up. And so I know that uh, for the seniors, probably especially right now, that uh, they feel like, you know, they've got a lot of time. They're 18 years. I think oh, they're all 18 now. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of time ahead of them. And likely that's true. Um, but, you know, one thing that I think that pretty much everyone can agree on and there's not a lot that everyone can agree on anymore, but uh, I think one thing that a lot of us, or almost all of us can agree on is that life goes by super fast. And I heard it when I was in high school. I heard it when I was younger than that even. You know, time flies, and, you know, before you know it, it's going to be gone. Or I remember when you were this big, you know, people would say that to me growing up, and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I don't know what, that, what to do with that. And so, you know, you hear all these things just about how quickly time flies, and and, you know, I, I find myself saying that to people also that are younger than me, that time really does go by quickly. And, you know, the, the older you get, I think the more you realize that, that that's true. And so, um, so as we, as we kind of think about that, and, and as, you know, like I said, that they've all probably heard that from their parents or other adults in this church, I want you guys to flip over to James chapter 4. And uh, this verse really just kind of sums this up better than I'm doing, or this little passage here. James chapter 4, the last few verses, verse 14, says, Whereas ye know uh, know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin." And so uh, you guys have probably heard that verse before about our, our life being like a vapor, and, and it really does go by very quickly, and in the, especially in the scope of, you know, eternity, in the scope of, uh, you know, in God's timeline, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever we get, uh, really is like a vapor. And so uh, the last verse, though, in that, in that chapter that I just read um, is kind of one of the, is not kind of, it is one of the ways that we define sin, right? The Bible defines sin pretty clearly that if you know to do good, and you don't do it, then it's sin. And so, you know, tying that back into our passage back in Genesis uh, with, with Cain and Abel, you know, they both knew to do good. They both knew what it meant to do good. And then one of them did that, and one of them didn't do that. And so to Cain, who didn't do that, uh, to him that was sin. And so, you know, God does not expect um, or demand perfection from any of us. We're not expected to, you know, have everything together all the time, and never make mistakes, but uh, you know God does expect that if we make a mistake, if if we find ourselves in sin, that 
that we need to confess that and forsake it, right? I mean, for, uh, 1 John 1, 9, you know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, uh, you know, the expectation from God is not that we will be perfect and the expectation for us with, with our seniors is not that they're always going to make the right decisions, that they're, that they're definitely going to have everything figured out, even though they probably think that they have everything figured out. You know, we know that they really don't and that they're going to stumble along the way, but the, the expectation from us is that they're going to figure it out and they're going to uh, confess their sins when they find themselves in it. They're going to forsake it. They're going to try and get it right. Um, that's, that's God's expectation of us is that, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to do everything right. But once, we, once we're faced with the fact I sinned, you know, I, I knew to do right and I didn't do it and, and that's sin, uh, you know, a lot of times our pride is like, no, somebody else's fault. Whose fault was it? You know, like with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? It's, oh, the woman that you gave me. No, it wasn't me. It was the serpent that, that came along and, and deceived it. You know, we always were looking to pass the buck, but ultimately, you know, we know when we're in sin and it's, and it's our pride that kind of rises up inside of us and, and uh, you know, tries to convince us that we're, that we're right. Uh, the last uh, verse I want you guys to turn to is uh, Proverbs chapter 16. And uh, this is a verse that is often slightly misquoted. Um, I still remember being called out on this verse, misquoting it. Uh, Brenton McGuire called me out on it. Uh, I don't know, it's probably been a few years ago, but I think of it every time I read this verse or every time I hear it, uh, I remember him saying this to me because I'm like, oh, okay, I was wrong about that. Uh, so it says in chapter, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And oftentimes we say that pride goeth before a fall, um, which I think you can kind of surmise that. But the Bible actually says uh, that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so we'll see here in just a second the, the kind of culmination of, of Cain's uh, pride and, and that his pride really did lead to his own destruction. And, and you can see that, I mean, throughout the Bible. If you, you know, any, any story, I mean, the kind of the root of, of most sin is pride of some kind. And so uh, you know, you can see that really just repeated throughout the Bible. If, if they don't get their pride in check, it's going to lead to problems. It's going to lead to destruction. If we don't in our own lives, uh, me, if I don't get my pride right, um, you know, in an argument, I always want to be right. You know, I'm always right about it. It's you're wrong, I'm right, because my, my pride says I'm right. And even when, even when the facts say that I'm not, uh, you know, I still sometimes just want to stand like, no, I, I'm right. And, you know, we, we need to fight the, the pride that rises up in us, and, and because it, ultimately it's just going to lead to more problems. It's going to lead to destruction, the Bible says. And, and so especially when it comes to God, if, if we know that we've sinned against God, I mean, you're never going to win an argument against God to try to convince him that you're right and he's wrong. I mean, that, that is the definition of pride. I mean, we, we're going, you know, toe-to-toe with God trying to convince him that, that he's right and, or that we're right and he's not, and that's, that's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to problems, and it's never the case. And so, uh, so as, as, uh, this story kind of wrapped up that in verse 5 it says, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And so I kind of started just thinking about, you know, why was Cain wroth? Why was Cain angry? And, you know, I, I think that, you know, in the moment if we could have asked Cain who he was angry at, I mean, he was, definitely was angry at Abel, right? Because, you know, of course it wasn't Cain's fault that he was offering the wrong sacrifice. It was Abel, his brother, you know, his little brother that, at that. If any of you guys have little siblings, you know, you never want them to outdo you in something. You never want them to, to, you know, gain mom and dad's favor more than you and those kinds of things. 
So, you know, so he's, he's probably angry at his, at his brother, and maybe he's even angry at God for the fact that, you know, God didn't respect the offering that he brought. Uh, but I think, you know, if he, had get, if he had taken some time and just thought, Why am, who am I angry at? I think he, he would have been able to recognize that he was angry at himself, right? I mean, he knew the right thing to do. It was his pride that said, no, I'm angry at my brother, or no, I'm angry at God, or no, I'm angry at, you know, fill in the blank, whatever thing he, he might have thought. I mean, ultimately, he was angry at himself because he, he made the, you know, the wrong decision. Uh, he made the, the wrong offering. And, uh, and so, you know, then we look at Abel, and Abel is just doing what he's supposed to do, right? He's just, he's not, you know, I, don't, I doubt he was rubbing it in Cain's face and making fun of him for bringing the wrong offering and, you know, telling him that his offering was so much better. I, I don't, I mean, we don't get that from the Bible, at least. Uh, so, you know, Abel's just going along, brings the right offering, follows along with the example that was set, does what mom and dad have taught him to do. And, you know, ultimately, the rest of the story is that, that his brother kills him, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, even doing the right thing, it's going to cost us something, right? And hopefully it doesn't cost us our life. And in this country, you know, we're pretty uh, unlikely to lose our life in, in, uh, in the sake of the, for the sake of the gospel. But for a lot of people that people in this room know that are living in other countries, that could be a reality, right? To do the right thing and to then still lose your life for it. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you reconcile those things? And, and so we see that happen with Abel. And of course, Cain's life, uh, you know, takes a dramatic turn for the worst. Uh, you know, even after that, and we're not going to get into all that this morning. You can read the rest of the, the chapter on your own if you want to. But, uh, but you know, Cain's life really did lead to destruction. That, that pride that, that he was harboring in his life uh, really led him all the way to, uh, he didn't actually lose his life, but uh, essentially he did. So, you know, the, the pride for all of us, um, I do feel like a little, you know, the older we get, maybe the less prideful in some areas we get. Um, you know, so I think for, the, for our seniors that just to remember that, you know, you don't know everything. You don't be prideful about things. When, when God corrects you, when, when things happen in your life and, and it doesn't go how you thought it was going to go, you know, take a step back. Think about, am I being prideful about this? You know, did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? You know, allow the Holy Spirit to convict. And, uh, and I think that will go a long way. So uh, usually when I, when I preach, I have a, some kind of a story, and it usually comes from my kids. And so uh, I have another story to wrap up um, with my own children. And I try not to say anything that would embarrass them, so I don't think this will embarrass. It's about Lincoln. He doesn't really get embarrassed about anything, so I think he'll be fine. Uh, but So I've got two children. I've got an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. And, uh, and so I kind of, you know, as I'm reading this, this story of Cain and Abel, we don't know how far apart these two brothers were, but, uh, you know, I'm just thinking as a parent of two boys, you know, these boys are, are not seeing the example. Or they either saw the example lived out properly and just didn't follow through, uh, is likely what happened, but... Uh, so with my own kids, you know, this just this week, uh, as kids never fail to just give you all kinds of just real life examples of uh, how the word of God uh, is just how it works out in your life. So, uh, so anyway, my boys are both all boy. They love being outside, especially now the weather's been better. So, uh, so Lincoln's outside. He's as most boys do, or he's got a sticks, you know, and he's he's hitting them on the trees and signposts and concrete and. He's just like hitting these sticks everywhere, and sometimes they break, and sometimes they don't, and then he's finding another, another sticks, and you know, he thinks the bigger stick he can get, the less likely it's going to be to break when he hits it on stuff, and so he's trying to narrow it down to get the strongest stick, basically, so then he can sword fight with his brother, and so they didn't, they didn't get hurt this time, luckily, uh, but 
he was he was just going through these states. And so we got in the car because it was time to go to his football practice. And so we get in the car and we're driving. He was telling me about all these sticks that he was breaking on the tree and how some of these big sticks were breaking and some of the little one that he found didn't end up breaking. And and so I kind of started talking to him about, well, you know, if it's if it's a fresher branch that's just falling off the tree or, you know, if it's still a little bit alive and it's not going to, it's going to bend a little bit, you know, whenever you uh, hit it on stuff, even though the thicker one may look sturdier, if it, you know, the longer it's separated from the tree, the, the more dead it gets and the more dried out it gets and the easier it's going to be uh, to break. And so I didn't even think about it at the time until I was getting this ready, uh, this message ready, that, you know, that, that is kind of, that's true of us, right? If, if we think about uh, in John chapter 15, Jesus Christ is talking about himself as he's the vine, right? He's the vine and we're the branches. And so, you know, when we, when we get saved, we're, we're grafted into that tree and, and we're connected to the vine. We're connected to the tree. And so, you know, when we're, if you, if you go outside out here and you start pulling on sticks that are alive, that are connected to a tree, you know, you're, you're, you can hang on some of those branches and they're not going to break, right? They're going to bend, they're flexible, they're, they're alive because they're connected to the tree. And so, you know, when the wind blows, when, like for us, you know, the picture when, when storms come in our life and when difficult things are happening and, and maybe things are falling apart around us, we, you know, if we're connected to the, to the vine, if we're connected to Christ, we're going to be able to bend and flex and, you know, we're, we're not going to be broken when those, when those storms come along. And of course, as a Christian, we can't lose our salvation, but, you know, as in this, in this picture, in this, this uh, story, you know, when we're, when a, when a branch is cut off or when it's separated from the tree, it slowly starts to die, right, over time. And so you don't want to burn wet firewood. You know, you want to wait till it's all the way dried out so it's not all smoky and so it burns better, all of those things. So, you know, the, the, more, the more separated we get from Christ, not in a salvation aspect, but just, uh, you know, communication and fellowship with him, the further we get from him and the more, the more time that we spend away from him, the drier we get, right? The less the water of the word is, is going through us, the, the less we're going to be able to stand up to the storms of life. And when things are bending and people are banging stuff into us and, you know, life is hitting us from all different directions, uh, you know, like those sticks, we, you know, we could shatter. I mean, our life could fall apart. And again, not in a salvation context, but, you know, our life can, can fall apart if we're not connected to Christ. But as long as we're connected to Christ, as long as we're in his word, as long as we have, you know, constant communication with him through prayer, uh, through time in our, in our local church, if we're serving him, if we're, we're making sacrifices in our life, right? When, when storms come, when difficult times come, we're going to flex and we're going to bend and we're, gonna, we're not going to break. And so, you know, when we look at Cain and Abel and, and the, the kind of the summation of the story is, you know, Cain broke. He didn't, he didn't have a connection with the Lord. And, and I know it's a different context. It's Old Testament and all of that. And so uh, I want to be careful not to, you know, get into the, the dispensational parts of it. But, you know, he was not connected with and didn't have the right view of this picture, this offering, the sacrifice that he was supposed to be bringing to the Lord. It had to cost him something. It was supposed to be a picture of the ultimate sacrifice that was going to be Christ one day. And so when he did it wrong and he got built up in pride, it was because he wasn't connected to the Lord. And ultimately, he broke, right? His pride allowed him uh, to break. And so just kind of to recap uh, the three main points, if you're taking notes, you can uh, maybe try to keep up with, I'll say these quickly, because I think I'm out of time, although I don't know exactly. Uh, so 
uh, the first point, so if, if we're saved, our identity is in Christ, uh, not in our job or any other aspect of our life. Uh, and the second point was, uh, we're, you know, living for the Lord uh, will cost you something. Otherwise, it's not a sacrifice. And then the third one was, uh, don't allow your pride to destroy your life. Uh, confess your sin and forsake it. And then a bonus point, if you're taking notes, uh, is just the reminder to be a branch and not a stick. Uh, 